But on the other hand, it is correctly said that in conversion, God, through the drawing of the Holy Ghost, makes out of stubborn and unwilling men willing ones, and that after such conversion in the daily exercise of repentance, the regenerate will of man is not idle, but also cooperates in all the works of the Holy Ghost, which he performs through us. Solid Declaration, Epitome 2. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi, and we're going to talk about regeneration. Zelwyn, how are you? I'm doing great, Willie. Things are delightfully cold out in this part of the world, and we have some snow. And I know last night uh, the Red River Valley had a blizzard, so things are definitely January-type weather up in, up here in North Dakota, which delights my heart to no end. But what about you down in the Banana Belt? <laughs> uh well, you know, it got down it sleeted at my home like on Sunday, but by the time I got up, maybe that was last Sunday. It all runs together. It was this Sunday. And but by the time I got up to the church it was bone dry. So it got down cold, but now temperatures are creeping back up. And you'll probably get back up into what like short sleeve weather. I don't know well, what is what every, is short sleeve weather in in Arkansas. Well, every day though, the more I preach, I want to don the short sleeve dress shirt and tie. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. I'm surprised you're not preaching in like a, a wife beater t-shirt. Well, I said you know, for... we're Southern, not Italian. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, so it warm weather's creeping back up, although they're telling me that tomorrow there is a chance of some snow by eight in the morning. So we're, we're going to find out. Hmm. See how it goes anyway. Yeah. Either way, we'll fan the flames of the Holy Ghost and get rid of that. So, but that is, yeah, that is where we are. It's been a very mild winter so far. It is a new year. So I do have the almanac calendar hanging on the wall. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how accurate she is. But um, yeah, so I'm hoping that I can at least in one podcast this winter report some snow, but it'll probably just me be me mildly cussing under my breath and talking about ice storms. That's my fear. Because uh, they do get ice every now and then. Have you ever had a, a real ice storm that affected you since you have no trees out that way? Well, I mean, every now and then you get, you know, these sleet storms or ice storms, as you call them. They'll blow through, you know, put a lot of ice on the highway. And it's usually kind of like about a day or so that things are a little a little dicey. But usually it's just the wind blowing around here that makes everything cold. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, because like with... With the, the the air temperature this morning being, I think, like negative 10 and even even a little bit of wind in that kind of weather will drop it down into the negative 20, 25 range uh, oh, gotcha. pretty quickly. Well, so. It's chilly today, but it's, it's you know, 55 degrees right now. <laughs> so not, not too bad. Much colder than it has been or much colder than it has been. But, yeah, 55, but warmer than it was the last couple of days. So. Well, I mean, there was the other day when the wind was really howling and we were having like 50 below wind chill. So we were full 100 degrees apart between where we are. And in the same country, such things <laughs> ought not be. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit then um, about the subject for today. Zellan, what are we talking about and why are we talking about it? Well, we're talking about the subject of regeneration, also called like the new man you know, being born again. This is all language that is uh, tied together. And I don't know if we'll be able to separate it very cleanly. But the reason why we're talking about it today is because sometimes you run into, either intentionally or unintentionally, people who would downplay regeneration for whatever reason. And to make it into something that's almost unreal. Mm-hmm. Almost something as if the the new man, yeah, he technically exists, but he doesn't do anything. And again, I'm not I'm not sure everyone does this intentionally. But the reason we want to talk about it is is just because, well, it is something to see that it is very biblical and to see what it means for us practically as well. Right. Yeah. And so, give the folks at home kind of a, a working definition of regeneration. Then, regeneration would be the Holy Spirit recreating us so that we are no longer dead in our sins, but that we are now alive in Christ, so that we are now living in him, living before him, able to do 
what it is that he wants us to do, however weakly that may be. Yeah. Would you say that's fair? Right. Yeah. And that's the Lutheran caveat we always have to throw, however weakly. You know, we, we understand, though, that everything, of course, is by grace. And But that doesn't turn you into an automaton. We understand it's Christ working in us. We understand it's the Holy Ghost working in us. We know all of that. That That, that is where our good works come from. And yet you're still there. You're still a person. You're not a robot. Right. You're just a robot who, or you're not a robot. You're a human being who has been reborn and remade and re-enlivened through the work of the Holy Spirit. You are a new man and a new and a living man. You're not a marionette. And we don't always want to put an asterisk after that, you know, like new man, but, or the but. new man, except, you know, and, and when I say however weekly, I'm not trying to do that. All right. I'm trying to say is, is that we are a new creation in Christ and we are living before him. And we should recognize that this is something which is true of the believer, right? Right. And if you don't accept that, <laughs> you're a new man in Christ and called to live a certain way and to do certain things, then the Bible does not make any sense, particularly the new Testament, which says you were this way and now you're not, you were walking this way. Now you're walking differently. Right. I have made you a new creation. You have to turn to pure sophistry in order to make these passages say something different. Right. We're not denying that salvation is completely by God's grace. But you also have to understand that another gracious gift of God is your new nature and your new will. And I think the the thing that kind of always gets washed over is, you know, we talk about being a saint and sinner and that sort of thing. And I understand where that's coming from, but that's usually presented in such a way that it's almost entirely sinner. Yeah, we're not saying it's not true. It absolutely is true that that dichotomy is true, but we present it in such a way as if Christ isn't alive in you. Right. <laughs> it, right. As if the only you that's real is the evil part. <laughs> and so that everything that could be said of the unregenerate man is therefore also true of the regenerate. And I think that's where the the biggest confusion comes in. You know, the things that God says about what we once were before Christ, before faith, those things belong to the period of unregeneracy. And now being born again, being regenerate, things have changed. And we can't we can't muddle that distinction, and I think that's where a lot of the danger comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you want to take a look at the Bible here? Why would we do that? <laughs> <laughs> right. We started off with some confession posting, uh, just so that people know that this is in the Lutheran Confessions. It is in the Book of Concord. <laughs> Lest anyone think we are we are off the skids here. Well, Zelwyn, where do you want to start? Well, let's start in John three because that's. Probably the most famous passage that talks about the being born again. And of course, this is Jesus and Nicodemus. And you have, of course, verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So yeah. what what do we make of that, Willie? Well, I mean, this one, get, this is, it's a good one to start with because this is where we have to thread the needle. Is it about justification? Yes. Is it also about sanctification and being made new? Unequivocally, yes, because that's what the text says. You have to be born again, born from above. Right. So they do go hand in hand. The justified person, which is which is which happens, okay, instantaneously you are justified in Christ, also then begins to live a new life. Live out the new life given to them, according to the new nature. So that you honestly can't have one without the other. And that's where people get mad. Are you saying that sanctification is necessary? Kind of, because the Bible does talk about that. Uh, The Bible and the confessions do too about the works necessary. What are the works necessary? What do we mean by that? Well, again, what we always warn against is don't go into the exceptions here. Well, what if somebody believes in Christ or somebody's baptized and they're hit by a a truck or a meteor falls and and gets them right as the water hits their head, right? (laughs) But in the general in the in the general path that a Christian lives, he has some time after he's born again in baptism, whether it's as an infant or as an adult or somewhere in between, he has time to live out that life of faith. And that life is marked by God working through him and doing good works through him and enabling him, giving him a will that will cooperate with him 
as the confessions say, so that that is what proceeds from saving faith. Saving faith produces these things, however feebly and however imperfectly, right? Because in the progress of the Christian life, you can take one step forward and two steps back. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with sanctification. If we say that the new man can cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you know, as far as these works are concerned or as far as the will of God is concerned, well, it also implies that we can thwart that. And we do. Romans 7, I don't do the good that I want to do. Simple as. Simple as. Well, and, and, and an important thing to recognize there is, yes, we can thwart it. And I think we often focus on the thwarting, you know, that we're always backpedaling when it comes to sanctification or something like that. But we also have to recognize that there is such a thing as growth. Yeah. You know, that I, who I who I was even five years ago as a Christian is not who I am today by the work of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And we all we're always worried about the specter of legalism. And I just don't know that in the way it's commonly taught that that's a huge problem among our people or among our clergymen even. In a way, yes, but as far as, okay, don't drink this beer or you're going to go to hell, or if I don't do six good deeds today, I'm going to go to hell. I don't bump into too many of our people who think that way. I don't bump into too many people who think that way, period. Maybe the the alcohol thing, depending on denomination. Our... Our sin is more of this kind of pride in being bad, pride in looking like the world. That's, you know, so our for some of our guys, our proof of our getting the gospel or our proof of us, you know, being fully redeemed, you know, 100% monergistically, which it is, redemption is the work of God, uh, is the proof for that is that they are indistinguishable from the world. <laughs> Yeah. Quite frankly, yeah. and 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 you can't tell me that that isn't like explicitly presented that way by some people. Well, I mean, look at you know how much alcohol I drink or something like that, just to, right. to dunk really, on the Baptists or something. Yeah, I mean, and, and and their whole thing becomes they look like the world, they act like the world, they don't love neighbor, they're not doing works of charity. And I would and I would actually make it very clear that when we talk about good works or the will of the Holy Spirit. It is the care for orphans and widows. It is the love of neighbor, the charitable work. Your good work isn't clocking in certain holy days and uh, you know dunking on the Baptists, as you say. Well, now you're just James posting, so everything right. you've said is just right <laughs> out the window, <laughs> right? Uh, but we we see so we see so much of this, you know, um, that well, I'm so comfortable in my salvation that this is how I live. Well, well, bully for you, good for you, but that you're, you're walking down a, a dangerous path there. Uh, because you, what what does that mean then? Do you actually not believe the Holy Spirit is at work in you, or do you not want the Holy Spirit to be at work in you? That the faith is more than a set of theological propositions that you may or may not hold. The justification right. is not merely assenting to the right set of theological propositions. That life is more than food and drink, and so, my goodness, your salvation is more than what you think you're permitted to eat or to drink. Right, And so that's what we're talking about here. I, I believe that what actually leads to haughtiness, what leads to us being puffed up in our circles more, is this kind of arrogant, I can do what I want attitude, more than I abstain from these things and so I'm better than you. I just don't bump into people like that very often. I bump more into the, I live the way I want because I'm free to do so. Well, yeah, you're free. You're free to a point, right? You're only so free. You're not free to take your neighbor's wife. You're not free to to covet your neighbor's ox, are you? Or donkey. Well, I mean, even even Paul, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. So, or, or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to dig into more of these texts. It'll make it clear, of course, but go ahead, Zola. Well, I was saying, and, and maybe that's something to emphasize here too, is that Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, this kind of libertine attitude is something that we encounter much more in our circles. And it is something that we should actually avoid because being free in the gospel is not being free to sin. And I think some sometimes that's the way it's presented, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm not saying that dressing a certain way like that is fashionable is necessarily a sin, could be. I'm not saying that 
taking a drink of alcohol is sinful. And everybody who knows this podcast knows that's not what we're saying. Right. We, we don't want to be pigeonholed into the other extreme either. It's just that drinking to excess is a sin, Christian or not a Christian. And it's not good for you. It's dissipation. Right. Being slothful, refusing to, to study the scriptures, refusing to pray, these things are not good. And no, I can't be a legalist and go, you must read the Bible for five hours a day or you've missed the mark. Nobody is saying that. That would be legalism. But you don't actually bump into that very often. You bump into right. people who will look at you and go, nah, you're cool. And you might be cool. You might be safe. But brother, I'm telling you, you might not be either. <laughs> and and the point is not to is not to make you feel bad to put you down because we're all sinners too. Zelwyn and I are sinners and we and we sin and we struggle. We're here to tell you what the Bible says and that is that God has made you a new creation. And part of the reason you suffer is because they tell you, "No, you must keep committing this sin. Just lean into it. <laughs> Just go for it. Just go for it because what you can do nothing but do that." And your body suffers because you've been taught that, and your soul suffers, your conscience suffers because of that. Where God says, you'll not be tempted beyond what you can bear, they pop in and go, oh no, you you can't bear any of this. (laughs) But God says, the Holy Spirit is within you, and I've given you a new will that agrees with with God, with me. So struggle with me. You know, struggle, but know that the the Lord is, is right there with you, pulling you through it. This is actually where people are going to get mad, Zellin, because there's a meme that goes around that denies that scripture that I just quoted. Well, there's all kinds of memes that go around, unfortunately. Yeah. Because, well, what what it is is a prosperity preacher will say, God won't give you more than you can handle. And they quote Paul saying, we were pressed beyond what we could bear. Yeah, Paul does say that in that context, but that's not an excuse to say, well, I'm just going to sin. Because the scripture actually says, you know, no, you know, you can overcome it. Well, and and I think it's it's very telling as it well. It says God will provide the way of escape. Anyway, sorry. I mean, you're bringing the Bible into this again, Willie. But I think it's very telling whenever you encounter this idea of, oh, we don't want to be a legalist. The legalism that's almost always presented is, is almost a caricature, you know, of, of yeah. things like you said that no one ever says, that no one is ever actually arguing for. Maybe in ex- like super extreme, rare cases in some denominations, but you know this, you have to read your Bible five hours a day. Nobody's saying that, okay? But what the Bible is calling us to do is to be in the Word, to be in prayer, to do these things, because that is who we are as a new creation in Christ. You know, this is something that yeah. we have, we are able to do now, and we can choose to do it because we are reborn well, in God. In, in the new man, which is you. <laughs> works almost reflexively. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you care about your neighbor. So you've got that person, your your brother or sister at church that you know is is uh, grieving. So you call them and, and check on them and give them words of comfort. Or you know that someone doesn't have enough food. So you know that, hey, I'm going to help. I'm going to bring a meal to them or something. That's how it works. This is this is actually regeneration at work. It's It's just that Christian love that pours out for your neighbor. Right. It's not counting the beers or not counting the beers. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's love. It's, it's, it's all from love, the love of Christ in you, the love of it's faith working through love, Zelwyn. Now there's another Bible passage there. <laughs> well, and, and I think what's also very telling with this, and we'll get into this a little bit more as we go forward in the podcast, but people who struggle with this idea also very often struggle with all of the, endings of the new testament epistles when paul, <laughs> right. when paul right. goes into these you know exhortations and say this is how then we should live you know all that all of what i said leads to this kind of a thing we recoil from that and say hold on you know you you can't do that paul you're ending on the law or something like that and i think you're, you're the very discomfort that one may feel with something like that which is extremely biblical says something about how we view the, the question of regeneration. Yeah, and it's worth asking, is it because of the old Adam that we recoil at that? Could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is our sinful nature that wants to push against that. So there is proof of the dichotomy there, of the saint sinner sure. distinction. Because you're grieved because the saint side of you wants to obey this and listen to the word. And then you're grieved because the old Adam is there going, no, don't listen to the word. 
Right. So there you go. We, we're affirming saint and sinner. And we do. We, we, we do. And that, that, it's 100% true, but that's, this is how it works. Well, with that, we are, we're to our first break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this. everyone you are listening to a word fitly spoken i'm willie grills here with zell and heidi and we're talking about the regenerate man regeneration what it means to be born again what it means to be a christian well it was a fun uh first segment hopefully you're still with us here not completely alienated everyone you know just a very important subject you know we kind of implicitly understand this you know everyone who would try to deny some of what we said loves the verse i can do all things through christ who strengthens me and that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Right. You know, it is Christ working in you to be able to do the will of God. So Right. But let's uh let's jump back into the Bible then and let's go to First Peter. Selwyn? Okay. So we're looking at First Peter chapter one. There's actually a couple of different passages here, but we're focusing on the very end of this chapter, uh, which starts at verse twenty two. So it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And I think that's a a very important passage to consider here, because we can see all, you know, kind of how this is all working together, you know, that you you have purifying, you have this in loving one another, you have been, you're being born again through the word, you know, striving for these things. All of these ideas are working together to talk about what it is that the new man is doing. And that's something that we want to keep in front of us as we consider what it means to be regenerate, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you could even, we can even just pull in the other one. This is verses three through five. First Peter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, yeah. God doing it, causing this to happen. This isn't something that we did. It is a a being born again to hope so that we have, you know, the hope of of glory through Jesus. And all of these things are happening, you know, happen in our lives today, right? right? So, yeah, work of God, and yet that work produces something. Mm -hmm. So that we are a new creation, as Paul says in other places as well. There is continually going to be, especially in the epistles, a contrast between those who know Christ and those who don't. And they're going to be very concrete ways in which this is demonstrated. Okay. The one who does this is not this. Right. Okay. Very, very clear. And you can, again, philosophize that and to make it say something it isn't. Like, well, all that means is, is that God doesn't count them as that because of Christ. And okay, that's true for as far as their former life is concerned. Right, but God does not then wink if if a Christian was a murderer, repents, believes the gospel, and then goes about murdering again. I mean, that's that's Galatians, right? The the yeah. fruits of the works of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit. 
You know, Absolutely. People who and, do these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then this is what it means to be in the spirit. You know, this is what comes from the spirit. So, right. But again, this gets, uh, you know, sophistry comes in and goes, well, what it means is that it's not that they're not doing them. It's that they're judged by the merits of Christ. And so God doesn't see what they're doing. And I'm fine with that before conversion. I'm fine with all of that washed away. And the sins you commit after conversion, of course, are washed away. But you really have to twist these scriptures to make it say that it doesn't matter what you do. Because then you become like, uh, so you have, it's always been kind of amazing to me. You have these uh, certain fundamentalist Baptists who can approach a kind of a legalistic framework. I don't like the word legalist, but that's the best word for this. So they live, do. they live this very strict life. You don't drink, you got to dress this way. I mean, granted we could all probably use a, do- a dose of that, but, um, <laughs> but basically they have all these sins you can't do. Can't watch this show. Can't eat this. Can't drink this. Can't do this. Can't do this. A whole list of rules. And yet they will say that no matter what sin you commit after you've said the sinner's prayer, you cannot be lost. Hmm. And that disconnect is always so strange to me. How can you get up and preach hour-long sermons about avoiding dressing a certain way or wearing pants or mm-hmm. a drinking alcohol? How can you get up and preach these on these things when they don't matter according to the way you understand salvation? Now, granted, I said fundamental independent Baptists. I realize that's a broad brush, but I've heard plenty of them preach that way. That's the classic once saved, always saves. You know, even real strict ones like guys like Jack Hiles, if anybody remembers that name, you know, they preach this this very legalistic, this very rigid mode of life, but then they'll say there's nothing you could do after you say the sinner's prayer to be outside the kingdom of God. Well, why bother? What's the, what is the point? And I ask that question sincerely. Is it just to say, well, it's because we honor God? Well, I can respect that. Yeah, it's to honor God because you believe this is the way that he wants you to live, 100% respect that. But how then do you warn? There's no warning to give a brother there. There's no way to warn. What, you're not warning them from anything because there's no wrath to come. Well, and but how often do we have that happen in our own circles where yeah. wrath is almost erased kind yeah. of a thing? Right. I mean, completely erased, even though the Bible says it isn't. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. You know, it, the, it, the wrath of the Lamb is there in Revelation. I mean, okay, here's here's how here's how I know that it's dangerous for a Christian to live the way they do. The very end of James, right? James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you, meaning one of my brothers and sisters, meaning Christians, should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And death there is condemnation. That death there is spiritual death. Right. I mean, it's physical death too in the context of that because it talks about sickness in chapter five. But it shows that you know you can you can bring a brother back from erring. Right. Right. Well, and 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 maybe just to really another passage to drive home this. You know, the regenerate does this, unregenerate do this kind of a thing, which we've yeah. talked about already. Sorry, I went I went off into the weeds there. No, no, it's a, it's a good good digression. Don't get me wrong. Also, Revelation twenty one talking about the new city, and this would be Revelation twenty one starting at verse seven. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You know, and I think too often these kind of passages get presented as if we are still liars in that sense, you know, and which basically by that logic, we are destined for the lake of fire, but that's not what the passage says. You know, we have been reborn. We are the ones who have the heritage of God. We are the sons of God through Christ, through faith. You know, this is something that is, is real. It's not, it's, it's yeah. not just it's not just words, and maybe that's maybe that's really the, the the thrust of this. Regeneration is not just words, not just the words, and theology is not just a set of propositions. Living theology, theology that will save, doctrine that will save, because we are legalistic on that, you know, and we <laughs> maybe we should be, 
But we it's almost as if we talk as if the only thing that condemns us is a variance in a point of doctrine. I don't sure. care that this guy's living this way, but he he formulated a doctrinal statement that fudges a little, so he he must be condemned. Now there is a point. There is a point where yeah, your doctrine is so wrong you are condemned. That's not what I'm saying. But we spend so much time making sure that we have the right theology, we sometimes forget the reason why we ha- want to have correct theology. Sure. It's because it actually has consequences. Having incorrect theology has long-term consequences if it's bad enough. Well, and, I mean, the right theology should lead to right living. I yeah, mean, pl- orthodoxy to orthopraxy. Plain as simple as that. You know, yeah. if, if there is a disconnect between the two, if you are orthodox but living in some unrepentant sin, I mean... Can you can we say that that's regenerate? I'm not sure. Well, can we say that you're truly orthodox? Fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the whole life must be a life of repentance. And I think that that's the key here. When we're talking about legalism and regeneration and abilities and things like that, we have to maintain humility. That That is where understanding that we are still sinners is important. We have to see that. Ourselves as sinners for whom Christ died. Our brother is a sinner for whom Christ died. And the one who doesn't believe the gospel is one for whom Christ died. So we have to we have to understand that. We must humble ourselves in order to do this rightly. Now, humble doesn't doesn't mean that you shouldn't be bold, shouldn't doesn't mean you shouldn't preach the gospel from the rooftops, nothing like that at all. But if we ever start to feel pride puff up, we need to look to the Ten Commandments and see where we're where we're failing to. Sure. Well, I mean, isn't humility one of the fruits of the Spirit? Right. But now no. you sound like a legalist. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> We're probably going to get branded as such anyway, but that's just the way life goes. Right. I mean, it's, it is something that we do want to emphasize just so that when it comes down to it, and maybe this is where it really, the rubber really meets the road. Cause I know that we, we bristle at language of choice and stuff like that. And I, and rightly so, you know, the, the unregenerate man cannot choose. The unregenerate man's will is bound. He cannot yeah, he, do anything. He is dead. He is dead in his trespasses and sin. Dead bodies right. can't reach out. But the new man, the reborn man, the regenerate man, can choose because he is regenerate, because he yeah. is alive. <laughs> so he right. can choose to hear the word. He can choose to go to church. He can choose to read his Bible. He can choose to do good works because right. he is living in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a heretic now, probably. So. Right. Well, let's um let's move to a different passage here. Tell us a bit about Titus three. Titus three. All right. Well, this of course this was the uh, one of the Christmas readings, so you know this was pretty recent for some of us. But this would be Titus three, starting especially at verse three. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy hated by others, and hating one another. And I'll pay attention, of course, in there that Paul says that we were all once these things. You know, we were once foolish, we were once disobedient, but we are no more, okay? But he goes on to say, uh, verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So that's the passage. Yeah, and kind of clear, wouldn't you say? <laughs> really rather clear. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It really is. Another proof then, I think, of kind of the, the soul center dichotomy there is, again, the pushing back against this. I think we kind of love our sin so much at times that we want to hold on to it. Because it's become such a, a part of who we are. And then we're not teaching perfection here either. But this is, um, it's really hard to get around these passages. You right. once did this. Now you don't. Right, right. I mean, and just, just the very language of once and, you know, then, but not now, you know, which is very common, especially in the epistles, is something that we should hold on to. So that, yes, like you say, we do talk about weakness, we do talk about falling into sin, but sin is no longer our master. And that's 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 Romans language, too. You know, right. Christ is our master. 
we have a new head. We have a new master in Jesus Christ so that any sins which we still commit are not because the sin rules over us, but because of the weakness of our nature. Yes. I, right. I And I don't think that we can underestimate the severity of sin, what it does to us when we commit mm-hmm. it. It's not like we commit a sin and then God makes a check mark against us. Right. Okay. It it is soul destroying. It harms our relationship with God and it certainly harms our relationship with one another. People don't like that because they'll go, well nothing can separate us from the love that's in Christ Jesus. That's true, and it's also true that none will snatch us out of his hand. That's also in the Bible. But it's also true that sheep wander away from the sheep pen. Right. You could jump out of that hand too, I suppose. But if if there is no danger to you of being separated from God, then what is Satan doing when he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? That warning is given to Christians. So that God will protect you, all of that, 100% true. But there is a spiritual damage as well as often a physical damage done when you commit these sins. To say nothing of irreparable damage done to families and done to, to friendships and things like that. All of these things are not inconsequential. So if we can't convince you of the eternal ramifications of this, can we at least convince you of the temporal ramifications of this? Well, I mean, even even Jesus's warnings, constantly calling on us to watch, to pay attention, to be ready. You know, if some of these things, you know, that we've been, that some say were true, those warnings would make no sense. You know, they have to be addressed to Christians in you know, calling on us to pay attention, to be watchful, which implies that we are able to do so in Jesus Christ. I think that maybe this is more of a third segment spice uh, kind of thing. Well, you might as well. Let's get going. <laughs> but a great, a great blindness has befallen many Christians. And a great slumber, a great sloth even, has come upon them. So that we're asleep. Maybe we're not blind. Maybe we're just sleeping and something needs to wake us from that slumber. But we've become so lazy. I honestly believe, Zelwyn, that we have to recover some Christian discipline. I don't mean church discipline in this context, but prayer, fasting. Sure. Meditate upon the scriptures. Things we talk about a lot here on Word Fitly. And that means also, too, we have to reject the things that are not spiritually good for us. And so if something is causing you to stumble, get rid of it. And I I don't mean to go back to the alcohol one, but that's just sort of the easy example. Some of you can drink. Good for you. Go ahead and do it. Enjoy that gift. Some of you are not going to be able to stop it. Okay. Some of you can read a theological book that has some bad stuff in it, and you're able to not be affected. Some of you will be affected by that. Don't read... Well, don't read bad theology anyway, but if you can't watch a movie without being affected, don't watch it. Simple as that. But the slumber has come upon us to where we say, it doesn't matter what I confess. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't really, and we, and when we don't read the Bible or know the Bible or listen to the preached word or listen to the Bible on Sunday mornings, that just says, I don't really need to listen to it. You do need to listen to it. And we all need to hear it because we all need to be reminded of everything. But the great blindness has come upon us. The great blindness has indeed come upon upon the church, and we have to remove the scales. And if it's a slumber, we have to wake you up. And if it's slothfulness, we have to give you a, a plow to, to, to go behind and to push. Or maybe we need to hook you to the plow so you'll pull it. I don't know. But we need to get you to work if, if, it's, if sloth is the problem. Just so that, that, that you'll have something that will keep you awake and alert. Right. That's what's happened to us. But we've not even got to unregenerate guides yet. That'll probably be for the next segment because I want to save it. Uh, <laughs> Zelwyn, we're coming up on the end of segment two. Uh, do you have any any words? I would be it would be remiss if we didn't like Second Peter or Jude post at least once <laughs> every few episodes with you, Willie. So I mean it it it's gonna be it's gonna be hot. No, I, I think everything that we've said up to this point is fitting and is something that we should emphasize again. And if we find ourselves bristling at this kind of directness, you know, the to not do this, do this, don't do that kind of a thing, then maybe we should recognize that in ourselves for what it is. You know, it is a sign of the that the old man perhaps has too much of a, a hold on us and is something that we should seek to repent of 
and to seek after the will of Christ, because this is God's will, your regeneration, you know, your sanctification. This is all part of it. And this is something that we should not bristle at, because this is who we are in Jesus. Amen. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this. back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi, and we're talking about regeneration. Well, Zell, we've looked at some Bible passages. I think we've made our case. Let's talk about some other things related to it. Should we talk about false teachers or unregenerate guides? <laughs> Can there be such a thing? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, if I mean, you could bring up the language of Jude, you know, the, the hidden reefs at your, your love feast and that sort of thing. I mean, Jesus' warnings against false teachers, you know, you'll know them by their fruits. Absolutely, there can be such a thing as an unregenerate guide. Uh, Someone who claims to be teaching the way of Christ, but in reality is not. I mean, part of being regenerate is recognizing them for what they are, right? Right. Can a, you know, do we have teachers that are in love with the world, that want to be like the world? I mean, Uh, are you asking rhetorical questions here? Yes. As rhetorical and even sarcastic as I can be. <laughs> of course, we can have, you know, teachers in love with the world, those who have made shipwreck of the faith, like, you know, Alexander and stuff like that. Yeah, this is all a very real danger within our our lives as Christians, something that we must be on guard against. And like you say, being regenerate is part of recognizing this for what it is and avoiding such men, right? Yeah. Absolutely. How else will a Christian know what a false teacher is unless he knows the faith, unless he knows the scriptures? Um, As much as I went on about people in the church being asleep, I also see in many circles people waking up where they never were before, seeing the emperor has no clothes, seeing that perhaps the ecclesiastical higher-ups are not the great leaders that they thought they were. Sure. And they're and they're now turning to faithful teachers and preachers and they're seeking out churches that, that are faithful. And there are there are tons of Christians out there who are hungry for that. Yeah, no, I mean and and we can give thanks for that too, to recognize that, you know, if if there is an awakening in that sense, that it is something that comes from God as well. That God is is leading us to a recognition of the truth and perhaps using difficult times as a way of waking us up to that truth. I mean that's that's very biblical in itself as well. Yeah. Where do we go from here then? Um, you have an, you have unregenerate, you have regenerate Christians and perhaps they are suffering under men who are in love with the world. Let, let's talk about that a little. Actually, I do want to unpack that more. Um, okay. If we say an unregenerate guide is one who is in love with the world, what does it mean to be in love with the world? I mean, to be walking the ways of the world, to be living the way of the flesh, to be saying one thing, doing another kind of a thing. I mean, this is what Jesus warns us against with, uh, warned his disciples against with the Pharisees, you know, whitewashed tombs, you know, looking great on the outside, but inwardly full of all uncleanness. I mean, it is, it is, it is that kind of hypocrisy uh, that unfortunately, you know, can lead someone astray, right? Mm-hmm. That temptation for worldly ease, and it's not always simply making a lot of money, but people love the favor of the world. They love the appearance of faithfulness when it gets them adulation, Sure, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Sure. And it, it is sad to see how quickly um, so many 
little popes there are and so many uh I don't know what you I don't know how to say it uh, Christian celebrities or people in power or whatever are capitulating to everything the world is throwing at them when I don't believe that they should be seeking to embrace the world or to appear relevant or simply going along with whatever the the powers that be tell them to do even if it's contrary to the word and that's the thing they'll go well they don't think that they're being contrary to the word yeah it's because they don't know it it's because they've become so accustomed to living like the world that they can't tell the difference sure yeah i mean you you could even point again to the pharisees i'm not i'm not trying to be like oh they're just pharisees or something like that i'm i mean because that can be overused as a trope but what i mean is look at the pharisees what were they doing you know they are experts in the law they in that sense, you know, claim to understand the scriptures, and yet Christ says to them, you neither know the scriptures nor the power therein. You know, knowing they do not know. You know, they, they do not recognize that even the fulfillment of those scriptures was standing right in front of them, and they could not see it for what it was. So just because someone appears faithful, just because someone appears to be well-versed in that sense in the scriptures does not mean that they are. You'll know them by their fruits. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why we have to talk about regeneration because that, like you say, that's the fruit of it. Um, <laughs> so this has been also one of those weeks where a lot of people have been questioning, Hey, what's going on in the world? Why are Christians seemingly capitulating again to certain things? Why are they capitulating to things they don't even have to be one thing if they were even forced, but now it seems like many, many uh, professional Christians uh, professional church workers, I guess we'll say, are just kind of going along with everything. Why are they doing this? And people want to know. And you have to say it's because, well, they either haven't taken the time to discern things, or I suppose you could say they've discerned it and this is the conclusion they've come to, but we are seeing officials approve of the violation of conscience when they don't have to. Uh, we've been seeing other forms of capitulating to the world. You know, I've never understood this kind of like you won't join the National Association of Evangelicals because it's unionism, but we'll be pictured with every cardinal and everything else, you know, because, hey, he's a higher up and that looks cool. Why is that okay? That's love of the world. Oh, no, we're coming together to do great social work. Yeah, I've done a lot of social work and never taken a picture of it, okay? And so have <laughs> you, Zellin. And so is everybody. <laughs> or, or even to be on the same platform as those who flat deny Christ. I mean... Is I don't understand it. I'm a, a fallen man, Zelwyn. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I just am not to that level yet, or something. I, I don't get it. But <laughs> no, well, when you get listen, you've got to get a bigger salary, and you've got it. We've got to get more clicks on the podcast. Once we get more downloads, then you can go after uh, selfies with big wigs. Okay, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe one of these days we're just gonna stop the podcast just all together. Just. Stop it. Yeah, we'll just go silent one day, you know. And you won't even know what happened. What what would you do? <laughs> there will be reruns. I'm forever content to be like the a Tom Waits style figure in in Lutheranism. That'd be fine. Yeah, I mean it's it's a wild world out there, Willie. And there's all kinds of man in love with the world unfortunately, right. but And that's a big club and we're not in it. We're not the elites, but that's good though. That that'll that'll keep us safe, I think, from the from the reckoning that is to come. May God keep us humble. I think Amen. that's something we need to pray for every day. So, uh, Oh, absolutely. And hey, admittedly, even I speak a little haughtily sometimes on the podcast. <laughs> Perhaps I speak too harshly, but that's when I can appeal to Luther, right? I, I'm not sure I've ever heard you appeal to Luther, but... Well, I will there. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the only thing that really that we get that anybody condemns anyone for, they never say you're right. They never, or they never say your, your exegesis is wrong or anything. When someone is right, biblically, they want to tone police you and say, well, you're not being nice enough. We're all in this together. I'm not convinced that some of these, that these guys are, are in it with me. Right. Or you, right. I think they'd throw us under the bus if the government said so. I think we'd be thrown under the bus. If I, I do, I believe that hundred percent. <laughs> if I'm speaking well, frankly. Well, and and if just to kind of tie this a little bit more to our topic at hand too, the regenerate man in that sense delights in even 
what sounds harsh to the to the unregenerate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he the the regenerate man, the new man, will delight in following the law. He will delight in seeking to do the will of God, even if that seems very harsh to unregenerate ears. You know, this this kind of wrong tone kind of thing. You know, the way the, the way the Bible speaks is not always pleasant, but it but, is what leads us towards godliness. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus says things that if they don't confuse people, they make them angry. Right. They want to drive him out of town. Throw him over the cliff. Yeah. Jesus is not always winsome. Jesus is kind to the poor in spirit. He's kind to the poor. He's kind to the humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Very rarely does God have nice things to say about the worldly wise men. And even like when he's talking to Nicodemus, who had some status, that's kind of a private conversation. Right. And Nicodemus and, and it's Nicodemus is coming to him with a sincere question. Right. But that's why we're a fringe podcast, I guess. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. And very contentedly so. You're going to ruffle feathers even when you don't intend to. You don't have to go out and try to ruffle feathers. Just by living as a faithful Christian in this world, you will ruffle feathers. And even the feathers of those who say they're on your side. Pat you on the back with one hand and they hold a knife in the other. So be careful of that. Be careful of flattery. But um, just because someone wears a miter, just because someone holds a certain office, just because someone holds certain status, does not necessarily mean that they're great. I mean, how many wicked bishops have we had in, in church history? Too and many. we've had And we've had some very good Christian ones. But that's usually why we remember them. It's because they were exceptionally good and exceptionally pious and exceptionally wise. So, yeah, having offices is no guarantee of holiness and no guarantee of being sanctified and set apart. And indeed, no guarantee of regeneration, if you want me to be frank. I mean, you could say, yeah, they were baptized, but some of them, some bishops and popes, for example, have rejected those baptismal promises, to put it nicely. Well, Zelwyn, where should we go? Well, I think since we're coming towards the end of the podcast, maybe we should just, you know, kind of start wrapping up some of these ideas and just kind of putting a, putting some bows on all of them as we as we come towards towards the conclusion. But I think I think when we're thinking in terms of regeneration, we do want to see it for what it is, in the sense that it is something that is real. It is something that is God works in us. It is something that, yes, it may be weak now, but it is something that grows. But the purpose of all of it is to lead us towards a life of holiness. And we don't want to make light of holiness or to make it seem like it's some completely unobtainable in every possible way sort of thing. You know, I mean, if if you want to bring Hebrews into it, you know, holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I mean, that's something that we should be striving for. And we can be holy. We can be, you know, righteous. I mean, yes, we're always going to be, you know, sinning because of the weakness of our nature. But that doesn't mean that we can't do what is right. And we don't want to downplay that or try to imply that we can never, ever do anything that is right in the sight of God. We need to recognize what the scriptures say about regeneration and hold them for the truth that they are, right? Yeah. Always be in guard of the usual things, to do the right things for the right reason. You know, apart from Christ, anything that even appears to be a good work is going to be tainted with sin because it's going to be done for selfish reasons, things like that. But if you are a Christian who has that new nature and it is God working in you, you can certainly call it good. You can call it right. and And that's where you want to be. Like I said earlier in this episode, it'll happen spontaneously. You don't have to fruit count. You don't have to think about that. You just have to say, what's the right thing to do here? Uh, you don't even have to say that. You just see your neighbor in need and you help them, right? You, uh, Someone doesn't know what to think about, say something spiritually, right? Or or they say something like, hey, here's one. Uh, what, how, how, what must I do to be saved? And you say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, like the Bible says. Like the Bible See, does. <laughs> reflexively happens. You know, even the little things like inviting people to church, that is the work of God within you. But you still wanted them to come to church, right? You don't want right. to. And, and most of the time when you're inviting someone to church, it's not to 
necessarily show off your church, although there's nothing wrong with being proud and contented with your church. I hope that you invite people to church because you love your church and want people to see it. But ultimately, you invite people to church because you want them to know God. You want them to know Christ. That's a good thing. That's a good work. That's something that comes from a the new heart, the new nature that you have. And that's not bad. And don't let anybody let you, you know tell you that it's bad. I've seen these kind of Lutherans who are almost embarrassed to invite someone to church. Well, why? Well, well, that's like, that makes me look like a fundamentalist, or they're afraid to tell them the gospel. Well, that would be weird. It's weird. People don't want to hear about Jesus. I know people don't want to hear about Jesus. That's why we have to preach it, so that the Holy Spirit would work through that, and they would want to hear it. (laughs) Well, I mean, and, and maybe another way to put this, too, is, you know, don't turn holiness into a leftist meme. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. make it purely about words. Don't make it, you know, don't explain it to death kind of a thing. Just yeah, do it. Just let it be. <laughs> let, let it do. Let it do. Oh, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's perfect. You know, yeah. Don't just like have all, don't make it into this big philosophical argument. Just, just get at it. Just, just do it. See, see, that's, that's the kind of thing that we really need to emphasize here. Just, just get at it. You right. Know? <laughs> I mean, especially because, like I said, maybe maybe that's also one of the issues that we have and maybe that we struggle with is that we we over explain these things. We're always hedging it. We're always putting it into these, you know, tight little logical boxes kind of thing. And we're so afraid of, you know, just letting the scriptures speak the way that they speak. You know, just yeah. just get at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a prime example. So I mentioned the, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've right. seen pe- preachers bristle at that because they feel like, that, that, like they have to explain that it's God who's doing the drawing. That's not when, when the Bible does that, that's not what they do. Peter says, repent and believe and be baptized. <laughs> he doesn't say repent, but you can't really repent. Right. Because... <laughs> yeah. And believe, but it's not really you and be baptized, but it's, it, he just says, this is okay. Their consciences are, are, are cut to the quick and he knows that. So what does he tell them? Believe in Jesus and be baptized. Repent, <laughs> believe, be baptized. You don't have to overthink it. The other stuff will come later. And the other stuff might not come later. People might not ever be ready to understand everything. That's okay. But you don't have to explain everything initially. Just let it go. Speak the way the Bible speaks. You'd be surprised what will happen. And yeah, and why are we, I mean, Willie, why are we afraid to speak the way the Bible speaks? Why? Legalism. That's what I talked about. It's, um, it's, It's that... It's that wanting to be right, and we need to be right. We want to be theologically correct. We should we should want to be, but not everything, not every uh, opportunity is an opportunity for theological discourse. Sometimes you just need to say, "Jesus Christ has died for you. Jesus loves you. Believe in Him." Period. Sometimes you need to yeah. remind people that repentance, while it is a theological concept involving God working within you, you just need to remind them that repentance. Is not a process. Repentance takes but a moment. And God is willing and ready to, to accept you. Just repent. Turn to Christ. And leave it at that. That simple gospel message. That for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If that makes me sound like a fundy, or like a Baptist, or whatever, because I say that, well, St. John said it first. Well, sorry, Jesus said it first. And St. John was inspired to record it. And that's enough. That was enough for him to say it to Nicodemus. I mean, he, granted, there's a little more to it. Water in the spirit, things like that. There is more to that. But that entire discourse with Nicodemus is rather concise. Right. Because I do believe baptism is in that passage and other things. But it's still very concise. You don't throw a copy of Martin Chemnitz down when someone says, hey, what's the Lord's Supper? You go, <laughs> Jesus said, this is my body. And this is my blood. This is my blood. Take, eat, take, drink for the forgiveness of sins. By the same token, when we're talking about regeneration, you know, you don't need to to over-explain it. You can just say, be transformed in the renewal of your minds. Romans 12. You yeah. know, present your bodies as a, as a, sa- a living sacrifice. Yeah, that's what it means. I mean, that's and, what it is. <laughs> yeah. And the other stuff, it can come out. Sometimes, I do want to be clear. I'm not saying that, I think it's been made clear that, the legalism of wanting to have good doctrine is not in wanting to have a good doctrine. It's us worrying that we have to explain everything exhaustively. It's us right. having some kind of fear that we are deficient in not doing so. 
every single time. That is kind of the legalism I'm talking about. Sure. You know, treating a, a baby in the faith the same as someone who's more mature, that kind of thing. Sure. Worrying that everything, it's it's on our end. It's not on your end. You're wanting to have pure doctrine is good and noble, and you're wanting to contend for that is good and noble. Don't ever think that, that, we're, that we're shaming you for that. We would never in a million years do that. But don't also think that you are deficient because you can't give this exhaustive and long explanation of everything. Not every situation warrants that. Right. Sometimes we just need to be as direct as Peter and just yeah. get, get to the point. Right. And as simple. Right. Selwyn, any last words before we call it a day? Get after it. <laughs> Very good. Well, this has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out, wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zellin Heidi. God love you and God bless. Therefore, before the conversion of man, there are only two efficient causes, namely the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, as the instrument of the Holy Ghost, by which he works conversion. This word, man is indeed to hear. However, it is not by his own powers, but only through the grace and working of the Holy Ghost that he can yield faith to it and accept it. A solid declaration, epitome two.